It's less than a week until the start of the NBA season, and that means the takes are flying. On today's episode of Locked On Suns, three debates, three star players in Phoenix. My take on all of it. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked On Suns your first listen each and every day. A lot to get to today. We have a finale in the preseason tomorrow, so if you have not already, hit follow, hit subscribe, become an everyday, or get Locked On to the Suns right along with me from now through the end of time. No, the end of the season, at least. We're going daily through July. So if you need your daily fix on the Suns, this is your place to do it. Let's start. Let's just go. We got three debates going on about the Phoenix Suns, about Booker, about Durant, about Beal, and I'm going to weigh in on all three. We'll also preview the Suns-Lakers game at the end of the show, which is actually... A pretty interesting matchup because it seems like both teams are going to play their guys. So I'll give you some thoughts there as well. But first, I'll just say what each of them is in case you missed it. I don't want to assume that everybody has been keeping up with the craziness of the internet uh, all day, every day. We have Booker versus Tatum cropping up again. We have Beal versus Austin Reeves. But really just Beal as a third guy. Is he good? Is he bad in that role? Is he going to excel in it? We'll talk a little through that. And then Kevin Durant, what expectations are realistic for him? Is this the year that health starts to become a question? How much can you truly rely on him? But let's start with Booker versus Tatum. So a lot of lists around the NBA this time of year. Um, well, a lot of them come out rankings, player rankings, um, and a lot of them have Jason Tatum over Devin Booker. The ringer was the latest. They have Tatum at five and Booker at nine. They also have Durant above Booker at seven. So let's start here, right? When you get to really the top 10, but I would expand it to maybe be like the top 12, 13 players. Like I'm looking at this ringer list and Kawhi Leonard is 13th. And I think that's about where the drop-off is. You after that have Lillard, Murray, Mitchell, Fox, a lot of guards who have never necessarily gotten uh, over the hump as Overall players are dependent talents. So let's say it's the top 13. When you're there, you're picking nits. You are, you're, you're on the margins. You are arguing health or one particular skill or one side of the ball versus the other or postseason success versus lack of postseason success. You're counting rings. You're doing all of that. 
And so I'm not going to sit here and uh, pick nits, basically. Jason Tatum and Devin Booker are two of the most accomplished mid-20s basketball players in the NBA. Now, Booker's about to be 27. Maybe you don't count him as being in his mid-20s anymore, but both of these guys have been in the league since they were 19, have a lot of postseason track record under their belts, and I think now both have to be treated as pretty solid two-way players. So if you're picking Booker, which I'm sure, as you can tell, uh, I'm going to, it's, it's not necessarily going to be a statistical case or a playoff case. I sort of take the early Tatum playoff success, not off the table, but happening to be drafted to a good team. It's like saying, you know, Cam Johnson is a proven playoff player. Yeah, it goes... It goes a certain distance in if you're making the case for why Cam Johnson is, is a good player, but is it really going to make you think he's better than, you know, Mikhail Bridges, for instance, or pick any other sort of 3 and D type of player? Is, is, is Cam Johnson better than Andrew Wiggins? Or I, I guess like, you know, you get my point. So Tatum had... 19 playoff games in his rookie season when he averaged 19 points on 47% shooting, had almost as many turnovers as assists. Very productive, very promising, but, you know, I'm going to really count the last four years for both guys when they really were winning two-way players as lead dogs for their teams. And... This is also just the fun stuff that happens the week before the season. Like, I, I, again, I, I, I just think it's fun, frankly, to talk about. So uh, bear with me here. Booker, statistically, has more consistent three-level scoring success, I would say, than Tatum. I think Booker, in terms of just pure shot creation, okay, I also think Devin Booker is a better passer than Jason Tatum. And take, for instance, the game six performance that Tatum had in the second round against Philadelphia this past year, right? I believe he had like 50-something points. Booker has done that in the postseason, just exploding in moments where he put the offense on his back. He has done that, I would say, more than Jason Tatum, right? And that's where I kind of discount the longevity, the, the volume of postseason performances from Tatum's standpoint, because again, it's not his to his credit that he happened to be drafted to a good team that made a smart trade down and ended up getting him and was able to allow him to be more of a complimentary player early on around Gordon Hayward, around Kyrie Irving and Al Horford and those players as he then evolved to becoming the top dog. Jason Tatum has a 50-point game in the first round against... Brooklyn in a five-game series loss 
in 2021. He has a 46-point game in Game 6 against Milwaukee in 2022, which I think is one of the better playoff performances we've seen from anybody recently. And then he has the 51-point game, and it was in Game 7. I got the, the, the game wrong that I just referenced against Philadelphia this past year. Now, there's tons of 30s and high 20s in there. But when I say Booker has done the highest of highs more consistently in the postseason, that's the type of performance that I'm talking about. Game 6, 2021 against the Lakers, 47 points. Game 1 against the Clippers with Chris Paul out, a 40-point triple-double in 2021. In Games 4 and 5 of the finals that year, two back-to-back 50-plus percent shooting 40-plus point games. You have the huge first half with 30 points against the Pelicans in 2022. You have... 45 and 47 against the Clippers this past year, and then you have 47 against Denver in game three on 80% shooting this past year, right? That's fewer opportunities and more 40-plus point games. I believe off the quick count that I'm doing, it is six or seven 40-plus point games in the playoffs already for Devin Booker. Now back to the regular season. I mentioned the shooting and I mentioned the overall or the passing sorry and the overall efficiency booker has a 58 plus 58 or better true shooting percentage the past three years that is just an all-in-one count for efficiency so does jason tatum okay and one thing you would have to give tatum credit for is that he gets to the line he he really can live at the line when he is fully embracing doing that right he has uh five six and then this past year eight free throw attempts per game that is big time stuff but i just value the difficult shot making the ability to create at all three levels and be efficient that booker provides i think the passing is just not even a question i think tatum has taken strides as a passer i don't even think i need to bring out much of an argument if you've watched these two guys i think Booker has that. Lastly is the defense, and I think Tatum has become a little bit overrated as a defender. We think of guys who look like him as stoppers. We sort of end our analysis there. I even think this happened with Mikhail Bridges from time to time, where we just think, okay, he's Kawhi Leonard. He's really not. There are things that separate the great players defensively from the best defensive players, and I think With Tatum, he doesn't have the force and physicality and athletic uh, overpowering to his defensive game to be a real stopper. In previous seasons, he was third in the pecking order in terms of being put onto the best offensive player. Now, of course, he has to do a lot on offense, so that probably goes into it, but he was a less reliable option than both Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, and I think this year it'll be the same with Drew Holiday and maybe even Derek White. Jason Tatum is a very good help defender. He can provide some secondary rim protection. He can get into passing lanes. He can help at the nail. He can, uh, you know, just sort of barricade the paint on from the strong side, show up as a block shot blocker from the weak side, all these different things. And he's, he, he's smart about it. He switches well. He executes. I'm not taking any of that away. I just think his advantage over Booker as a defender overall 
is not that huge and it's narrowing as Booker improves on that end. So when you add all of that up, the most difficult thing to do in basketball, Booker has the advantage of, and despite less of a track record, Booker has caught up quickly in terms of those huge playoff performances. The efficiency is pretty even, the defense is not that different, and the passing is in Booker's favor. That's where we are, and it's picking nits, as I said, but there are many comparisons made that I see that paint Tatum not only as better, but way better, and that's just flat-out crazy. Let's talk about Durant and Beal next. First, today's show brought to you by Jace Medical. Think of it as an emergency first aid kit, but with five essential antibiotics. You think of natural disasters. You think of pandemics, as we uh, came to realize. You think about any emergency or unexpected situation that can happen to your life. Jace Case from Jace Medical helps you make sure you have what you need in those times to keep yourself healthy. A personalized emergency medication kit with five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. Jace Medical also now offers customizability for your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications. Just choose the ones that best fit you and your family's unique needs. They are continually working to expand their medication. You have more and more options as the months go by. You can also buy a gift card. If you don't want to pick and you want to give a gift or get something for a loved one, so that they have the peace of mind with the arrangement of life-saving antibiotics right from the comfort of home. Go to jacemedical.com, enter Locked On. The code Locked On at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code Locked On at jasemedical.com for a $20 discount on your order. We are keeping it rolling here on Locked On Suns. More debates, more takes, more craziness on the internet, but all in good fun and worth talking about. And the point that I meant to make at the beginning of the episode that I will make now, and I've made it before, is this is what you should expect, okay? This this is what comes with the territory of caring about a great team, and not only a great team, but a famous team, and a famous team that is in a big city. Like that that's what I think we all have sort of been wishing for and silliness like this is what comes with the territory, right? Like there is a Nick Wright clip. You might not even know who Nick Wright is unless you're on the internet a lot. He is a host uh and opinionist, let's say, at Fox Sports 1 on First Things First in the afternoons about how uh Beal is less a less um trustworthy, less reliable third banana than Austin Reeves. Everybody's hyped about this Suns-Lakers preseason game. There are takes on the Bill Simmons podcast and elsewhere about Kevin Durant and his lack of reliability at his age. And then the Booker Tatum thing, right? So this is all stuff that comes with the territory. I just want to reiterate that. But let's start with that Beal one, because I think it's kind of interesting. It sounds silly on at face value to say that Austin Reeves, with one year of really proven high-level success in the NBA, is better at anything or more trustworthy to do anything than Bradley Beal, who's 30 years old, 
an all-NBA player, a multiple-time all-star with multiple postseasons to his name and, and two 30-point-per-game seasons. That guy, calling him worse than Reeves, <coughs> excuse me, at anything, feels ridiculous. But a more charitable interpretation of what Nick Wright was trying to say I think is related to role, okay? And I don't think it's necessarily unfair. And it matters. Again, it's it's one of those things where you take what a talking head says on TV and you sort of twist it to something that actually matters, that isn't just programmed by TV producers that want to get attention. And there is something to it. Beal is going to have to adjust. Beal is not picture perfect as a third best player on a team. That's why people were a little confused and took a while to come around on the Beal trade in general, myself included. I'm not going to shy away from that. But one, it's from a trade standpoint, as I like to remind everybody all the time, sort of what the best that the Suns could do, we know that. Chris Paul and Landry Shamit and some pick swaps for Bradley Beal is a thing you do every single time. I also think Beal is at a point in his career where he's ready to adjust to be more of a third best player. But really the biggest thing is, I'm not sure if he'll have to. If you're an everydayer and you listen to this show all the time, you know that I've been pretty fascinated and fixated on this idea all throughout the summer. Does Bradley Beal have to adjust? What does it look like if he does have to adjust? And how effective can he be if he embraces a smaller role? Now, as I've been watching, and if you listen to anything that anybody around this team says right now, he doesn't have to and won't have to. Now, time will tell. The 82-game season is long and forces a lot of unexpected things to happen to teams. He very well could have to really become a lesser version of himself in terms of volume and role and all of that stuff by April. But let's talk about it in, in the two directions. If he doesn't have to adjust, he's just flat out better than Austin Reeves. And if the Suns are able to keep him at his absolute peak, then that's just a better player flat out. Like, I don't really think there's much to talk about there. Even defensively, like, I think Reeves is good at best, you know, like a B-minus type of defender at best, C-plus type of defender. Like, we just saw non-NBA talent exploit Reeves in the World Cup. He is a subpar athlete in terms of explosiveness, lateral mobility, that type of stuff. He has some strength to his game, but is obviously still not, you know, Lou Dort out there. So maybe he's a, you know, maybe Bradley Beal is a C and Reeves is a C plus, you know, defensively. They're about the same height. Reeves is a little heavier, stronger maybe, but I just don't think that that's there. And then let's say Beal does uh, re recede into a smaller role, more like what Reeves's role might be. I think Beal is a equivalent, if not better shooter, probably a better passer in my opinion, and just a more explosive athlete, which gives you a, a higher upside. So it feels goofy to me. 
There's really no way around that one. It's worth talking about because it speaks to a reality that the Suns have to confront, even if they're optimistic right now, which is what is Beal doing for our team and how is he best set up to succeed? But all signs point right now to that he is set up to succeed and that the possibilities as a result of that are pretty special. Let's close out the show with Kevin Durant and a quick Suns-Lakers preview. First, today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. And right now, you can enjoy the football season at a whole other level with FanDuel. New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets whether you win or lose that first bet. That's right. You don't even have to make sure you're actually good at doing this to get in on the action. The Arizona Cardinals are seven and a half point underdogs in Seattle this weekend. That feels like a stay away. The Cardinals have been making me a little bit scared. By the time you wake up and are listening to this Thursday, we'll know if there is a game five of the WNBA finals on Friday. That could be fun. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app's easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. Explore their wide range of bets now. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Closing out the show with one more debate. My take on a debate. Yeah, I guess I'm doing, uh, I'm just doing sports TV today. Traditional Straight up sports radio. You're welcome. This one uh, is not exactly uh, some sort of crazy, angry carnage online or on uh, on the air anywhere, but it's just something that gets thrown out every time there's any sort of Suns analysis. You're hearing it a lot in like Bill Simmons over under podcast or just these talk show segments of which team is better, which team's going to be the top of the West, which team's the threat to go to the finals. I believe Kendrick Perkins got some attention on among Suns fans for picking them as the best offseason, the best team, the best player, the best scorer, all these different things. And he had Suns picks all the way down among all the teams in the West, like all this type of stuff. But there's always the caveat with Duran of, of his age. And Durant is, of course, (laughs) older. Like, I I don't, you know, there's not exactly a way around that. He is 35 years old, just turned 35 at the end of September. So this is his age 35 season. And he's just getting to the point where there's not a lot of track record for players like him succeeding. The first point that I would make, though, when we're thinking about this, is there's not really a track record of a player like Durant succeeding at any age ever. There's not really a track record of a player like Durant, period. You know? I guess the closest would be Giannis. And he's been able to avoid injuries. But when you just factor in Durant's size, his lack of bulk and the fact that he now has two major injuries in his past, there's really no comparison point to make. 
And when you try to filter that out by guys who even continued to be productive up to 34, which we already know he did because that was last season for him, it's even fewer and further between. You're talking about Kareem. You're talking about, I guess, Carl Malone, Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowitzki, LeBron James, Chris Paul, sure, but that's a guard. Miraculous in its own way because small guards tend to age poorly too, but different. So I think that I looked at Dirk and LeBron because they're somewhat similar. I think Dirk is similar to Durant in terms of offensively, he's going to be able to shoot and score regardless of age, right? And I think LeBron is similar because of the wear and tear, the fact that he's been on great teams and handled a lot for their teams throughout. And in both cases, now this might be good or bad, depending on how you look at it, um, 35 was about like the last great year for both Dirk and LeBron in terms of being really healthy and really productive. 35 was the year that LeBron won his last championship in 2020. Now, that one, of course, had a little bit of the caveat of a long rest before the bubble, but even before that, uh, LeBron played 67 games that season. Only about eight of those were in the bubble, of course. I don't even know if he played every bubble tune-up game. And he put up 25-10-8 on 50, 49% shooting and won a championship. Dirk played 80 games at age 35, scored 22 points per game, six rebounds on 50% shooting. And that was uh, a year in which Dallas won 49 games and lost in seven to San Antonio in the first round. Again, it is a risk. And uh, not a risk, it is a, a downside that's obvious for this Suns team. There's no way around it. Durant, I think... I think Booker is the best player on this team. I think Durant is undoubtedly the most important and vital player on this team. If he struggles to be himself or if he gets hurt in any substantial way, this team takes a major hit in terms of obviously it's shot creation, shooting, and floor spacing, but maybe even more importantly, it's lineup versatility, it's help team defense, and uh, it's rebounding. So if the Suns don't have the best version of Durant, they are a worse team. They are less likely to win a championship, and it is a bad sign. Like, I, that's just straight up. And you could take Dirk and LeBron and say, okay, he's good for one more year. 35 is the number, and then next year you got to worry. Like, But that's not how life works. It's not one-to-one, of course. Uh, I looked at, at Tim Duncan as I'm sitting here, and he broke down a little earlier, but of course had kind of that second peak when they won the back-to-back -back titles where he was healthy again. But age 34 for him was kind of the last year of his, really his prime, so to speak, uh, and played 76 games, had some injury-riddled seasons, bounced back up when he was able to play some fewer minutes. But, you know, you could even make the case that it started to happen for Duncan even earlier than that, maybe as, as young as 32 when he really started to, to miss some more games, play fewer minutes, be less productive, all that stuff. There's never one great example, but the point is he's not at Tom Brady, Diana Taurasi, 
LeBron James territory yet. KD is not at that point where it is just defying logic, defying history. There are many examples of 35 still being within the realm of great players continuing to be great and healthy. And so the Suns have all of the talent that they need to insulate him from having to push too hard in the regular season. I think they'll be smart, but I can't necessarily deny anybody who's worried about it. Quick thoughts on Suns-Lakers. It sounds as if everybody will play on both sides, and both sides are treating it as a tune-up game. So, quickly, Torian Prince is starting for the Lakers. That might not be something you knew. Rui Hachimura, after his breakout in the second half of last year into the postseason, seems to be in a bench role for this team. They seem to like that more. So that means Torian Prince, very similar build, very similar similar physically, is the starting small forward. I think this is going to be a big challenge for the Suns. I think this team, not just tomorrow, uh, on Thursday, I think all season long, including next Thursday, when the Suns play the Lakers in the regular season on the road in Los Angeles, is going to be a pretty big test. And it starts with Anthony Davis. AD is, when healthy, he reminded us last year, a force to be reckoned with in the paint as a spot-up player and, of course, defensively, although I think that matters a little bit less for the Suns. I think keeping Davis in check as a scorer is going to be of the utmost importance. I actually think that Reeves is somebody the Suns can guard fairly well. I don't think that the Lakers' backcourt is going to be a a matchup problem for Phoenix because some guards do worry me. Steph Curry next Tuesday is going to be a its own problem, but slower, more methodical guards, which both D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves are, I think Booker, Kogi, Beal, those guys can keep that in check. So I think it's going to be about who wins the transition game, who is able to win uh, the lineup and size battle. Can the Suns make the Lakers go big, or do the Lakers just use small ball to their advantage all night? And, of course, on the other end, who guards the Suns' best players? I would think Beal, uh, I would think Reeves guards Davis, or I'm sorry, (laughs) Davis. Reeves guards Booker. I would guess that Russell probably guards Beal, and Prince probably guards Durant. And then you have LeBron on a Kogi and AD on Nurkic. That would be my guess. And obviously there's some mismatches there. So it's just going to be a fun, real test. I'm glad both teams are taking it seriously. It's going to be in a neutral site in Palm Springs. And it should be a fun one. So Aaron and Ed- Aaron Edwards and I will be right here post-game with the show for you guys to recap that one. I'll have all my thoughts, all his thoughts, To close out the preseason, we'll have a Monday show with Brandon Duaneus next week, and then a Tuesday show getting you ready for Suns uh, Suns Warriors, and then we're off to the races. So hit follow, hit subscribe. It should be fun. We have a great game tomorrow, a great game Tuesday, a great game next Thursday. You want to be here for all of it. Become an everydayer. 6,000 plus on YouTube, thousands more on audio. I'm excited. Hope you are too. I'll see you on Thursday night.